0: Lord, we thank you for your everlasting word. We thank you that your word became flesh and dwelt among us, and that's what we celebrate at Christmas. We celebrate your arrival in our world. We celebrate your salvation extended to us. We celebrate that in you we have everlasting life, eternal hope. We pray, Lord, that as we consider your word and meditate in your spirit, that You would speak to us by your Spirit, not just tonight, but going forward, Lord, for living in a new way. A way that is filled with your Spirit, guided by your Scripture, lit by your light, and serving your purposes. Almighty God, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, as I mentioned, this series is about a Christmas harvest, and we've been talking about how the Word of the Lord is productive and plentiful, pure and prophetic. Tonight, as we culminate this series and come to the very brink of Christmas, I want to remind you that Christmas has a purpose. Turn to somebody around you, or even just say it to the Spirit of the Lord and say, there's a purpose in Christmas. There is, and we could say many things that might characterize Christmas in our minds. The giving of gifts, the celebrating of feasts, the eating of good food, the gathering together of friends and family, the lighting of lights and the singing of carols. But in the midst of this current Christmas, many of us have experienced that much of what we would normally do at Christmas, we have not been able to do in the way that we would most like to do it or that we would normally do it because of the COVID conditions that surround us. Or perhaps other challenges, there are economic challenges in our world today, social issues. And no doubt, you have your own personal, private issues that may put a particular damper on the ability to celebrate. For instance, many people at this time of year experience a certain pang of loss for loved ones who have gone home to be with the Lord. Loved ones who have died, and you miss them especially in this season when family and friends are so pivotal to our practice of worship of Christmas. But you know, the purpose of Christmas, included in all those things I've described, is also to address all the problems and more that we've just referenced. Christmas comes to us in the midst of darkness, in the midst of crisis. Christ comes to be a savior, to bring solution, to be a light in the night. And there's a way that he would lead us. Speaking of lights in the night, I want to share with you a Christmas Eve memory of my own from when I was young, a teenager. These lights pierced the night, as many lights would that evening. The lights on our tree. The lights that adorned festively the village in which I grew up. The lights of the candles that we would light in the sanctuary of the church where my family and I were driving to with lights on the road of people passing. But one of the first lights that we saw on the road were these very lights that I speak of that penetrated and pierced. And even though they were warm, amber, red, blue, like the multicolored lights of Christmas that I would see all around, these lights didn't bring warmth or hope. They cast a sense of dread. They were rotating on the top of the car, Parked outside of our neighbors. I grew up out in a country kind of way on top of a hill, and we had to drive down our hill obviously to get to wherever we were going, and we were headed to church on a Christmas Eve night. When we noticed these lights so unusual being cast across the countryside and they were coming from our neighbor who was a, a bit of a ways away from us so that we couldn't see it from our home. But as we drove down the hill, we drove past their property and we saw that vehicle parked there with the lights spinning on top of it. And it was enough light to see that emblazoned on the side of the vehicle was the t- words, county coroner. We were concerned because it clearly indicated that someone had passed. There was an elderly couple that lived down the way from us. We were not very familiar with them, although we saw them regularly and certainly at every Christmas. Part of my family's practice was to go around carrying baked goods and treats to our neighbors and we would sing carols and oftentimes our neighbors would do things like that for us as well. And this elderly couple whose children were grown, they lived down the hill in the way from us and we knew that that they were both getting on in years, but... Neither of them, though their health was beginning to falter a bit, had been in such a condition that we would have expected that there would be a death. But when we saw those lights and when we saw that car as we were driving past, it was clear there was no help that we could give in that moment other than to pray. But as we made our way to church, I remember my parents saying to each other, we need to check in with them when we get back because it doesn't look good. I remember the chill in my heart that I felt on this most wondrous of nights. As a young person, as I'm sure you experience, so many of us have fond memories of Christmas from our youth because there's so much joy that attends to the expectation. And of course, I think for most of us when we're young, the greatest expectation is the gifts, But I was also in love with all the traditions. For me, Christmas time was the most wonderful time of year and I loved every aspect of it. I loved decorating our church and the fellowship that we would have there with friends and family members as we came in the early parts of December to get the church ready. I loved the smell of cooking and candy making that would go on in the kitchen as my mother prepared things. And sometimes we kids would help. We had a tradition of making iced cookies and decorating them for Christmas. We had our advent calendar and the shopping. All of it, to me, was wondrous. And here was this cold recognition that even in the warmest time, there could be a bleak reminder of death. Later, we would discover that it was true. The, the gentleman of that elderly couple that I mentioned had passed away on Christmas Eve. And I remember as a young man thinking, well, what a tragedy that someone would die on Christmas Eve. It almost seemed as though it couldn't happen at that time. Later I would learn that of course, not only is it in terms of life and death, always just another day, always people being born, always people dying. But in fact, the holidays are a time when there is not unusually an increase in in deaths. In part because of here, at least in the Northern Hemisphere, of course, the colder weather. And even in non-COVID years, the conditions of of, uh, influenza, of the common flu strains and pneumonia and so forth, uh, can be a, a particular risk. Also, I think it is a reality of the holiday season that there are many stresses and strains and emotional ups and downs. And so it's not unusual that at that time of year, someone may pass. And it is a very difficult thing to deal with, maybe in your family, or in your history, you have dealt with that, or maybe even you are dealing with it this year. There are those we know and love who have gone home to be with the Lord, even in this immediate season. And if that's where you are right now, I want you to know that our prayers are with you. Our condolences reach out to you. But even more importantly, the Lord Jesus Christ is with you. The reminder of those lights in my memory has grown warmer And deeper and richer over time. Because as I've gotten older and seen more people pass, even at the holidays, what I've realized is the message of Christmas comes not as a distraction from death. Not as something that we use to divert ourselves into thinking about pleasant things that have no real depth. But they are bright lights and pleasant trinkets to get us distracted from the hardship of everyday living. No, Christmas comes actually to speak precisely to those issues and problems. Christmas comes not to be a distraction from death, but to overcome it. Christmas comes as a victory, light in the darkness a whole new way of living, a whole new way of being. And it doesn't mean that death as we know it here in this life has come to an end, nor disease, nor distractions in themselves and all kinds of destruction, but what it does mean is that the end of those things has begun. And the purpose of God is to bring you and I to the place where we live in the assurance of God right now, the assurance of life right now and everlasting and the light that will guide us no matter how dark the days, no matter how desperate the moment, no matter how current the crisis. That is the harvest hope of the kingdom of God and the fervent, faithful expectation of the people of God who prepare for the arrival of God, even as the people of old did. So you and I, we prepare to celebrate tomorrow the coming of Christ once again, but we also prepare ourselves to meet Jesus Christ because none of us knows when that vehicle will be parked in our driveway, when those lights that spin on the top of the coroner's car are spinning for us. None of us knows when we will go home and our life here will end. But that day lies before each one of us. And without the hope of a savior, we are lost. But Jesus came as a savior for all people, a light to banish all darkness. And he brings with him the hope of fruitful, abundant, plentiful promise and blessing that is worth celebrating not only at Christmas, but in all seasons. But in order to do that, he calls us to trust him, to trust him, to be our help, to be our light in the night and the pathway That guides our feet. He does that by the light that He shines, the light that the prophet of old prophesied about hundreds of years before even Jesus was born. So, thousands of years before your time and mine, Isaiah was saying, there would be people who would be walking in the darkness of death and disease and discouragement and depression, but a light would shine on them and a harvest hope would come to them because of the Prince of Peace who has been born to shine a light into our world and bring hope to all that would be willing to put their hope in Him. That promise is a productive one and it's what led the Magi to the Lord Jesus Christ. They came to know about the Word of God because of the hardship of the people of God. Hundreds of years before Jesus' birth, when the people of God, ancient Israel, had gone astray and given themselves over to idolatry, the Lord brought discipline to them. He used the people and nations around them to put them into a position where they recognized their great need for Him. They went into what was known as the Babylonian exile, and they were mainly moved out of their nation and into the empire of Babylon. But while they were there, they continued to read the Word of God. They continued to worship the living God and through them the scriptures and the promises of God became known to these ancient wise men called Magi who were not only in the court of the Babylonians but the successive empire of the Persians as well. And it is probably these kinds of Persian wise men, scholars, well versed in the knowledge of ancient astronomy, also well versed. In the knowledge of God's scriptures, who knew in it there was a promise, you can find it in the book of Numbers, that says there would be a star that would rise out of Judah, and it would be a sign of a savior king come for all the world. And it was because of their belief in that word and that God that the Magi searched the skies. Maybe you saw this week the alignment of Saturn and Jupiter. So extraordinary that it is probably the closest and most visible such alignment from here on Earth in 800 years. The closest uh, in any measure from here on Earth in at least 400 years. Maybe it was something like that that the Magi saw. But in any case, there was a natural evidence of God's supernatural fulfillment of God's scriptural promise. And they followed that star. And they did that bearing gifts. They came at great cost to themselves, representing kings. They brought the gold of a king to the king of kings. In our series, we have spent time talking about how you and I are called to follow this model of the Magi, to acknowledge the arrival of Jesus in our life by giving our gold to God. That means giving of our time, of our talent, and our treasure. It means making monetary gift to people in need in the name of the Lord. It means as a believer, you're called to support your church. And I thank you for those who are members of PCF. God bless you for your ongoing giving to this church. For those that are guests and friends with us, give to your church. It's the primary place that you're being fed in the Spirit. It's the primary place where you should bring in your tithe and offering to the Lord. But you also want to give of your ability, of what you can do. For God and for others. All of these things are part of the treasure of what you give to God because of what God has already given to you and me. And when you do so, you find that the measure that you give out with is the measure God used to give back to you, except that he overflows that measure plentifully. The Magi came bearing the gift of frankincense. It is the image of worship, an incense actually used in the temple worship ...that God had decreed in his scriptures... ...but also, like all of their gifts... ...a highly valuable commodity... ...and one that represents the purity of their worship. So you and I also are called to worship the Lord... ...and to worship him no matter what the circumstances around us look like. No matter how hard or difficult or discouraged we may feel... ...we can always fall to our knees before the Lord... ...and lift up to him not false worship... ...not empty promises... But even the hurt in our heart is worship to the Lord when we bring it honestly to Him. You don't have to be perfect to come and worship God. Just be yourself. And that will be the purity of your worship. But in that, God will perfect you in who He is. Because as you are yourself, He will be Himself. And He will make you more like Him in the purity of your worship. They came bringing the gift of myrrh, which is a resin... Made from the the sap of a tree, a thorny bush, as I've mentioned in previous messages, it may have been the very bush that gave rise to the crown of thorns that Jesus Christ himself wore. And in that, myrrh, which means bitter and tastes bitter and was used as an additive in wine in ancient times because of its narcotic effect, because it was a medicinal quality, but it also was used to speed convicted criminals like Jesus on the cross to his death. Jesus rejected it. But it was given typically to those in that kind of a circumstance because of its bitter quality that allowed for a numbing experience. In all of these ways, Burr is prophetically representative of the sacrifice. And it helps us to recognize that right from the beginning, it is not just something that Jesus ultimately learned to accept. It is the very purpose that he came for. On Sunday, when I preach a message in our new series, it is entitled, For This Very Purpose. And it comes out of John chapter 12 in which Jesus talks about going to the cross. And as he comes to the cross, he says, my heart is troubled, but what should I say? Father, deliver me from this hour? No, for this very purpose, I came. You see, at Christmas, we don't just celebrate lights and songs. We celebrate that someone came to die for us who was so perfect that his death atones for us. And that someone is the one who made us. And knows us best and loves us most and gave all for us. So you and I also are called to mark the message of myrrh and to realize that as we give ourselves to the Lord, he does not promise us that everything will be rosy. You know that old song, I didn't promise you a rose garden? Well, if he did, he promised it with thorns. But the thorns have a purpose. And even if you and I can't always understand that purpose, his presence will prophetically enable us to carry on with faith, faith in him, because he who has promised is faithful. He also will fulfill that promise. These three gifts are a kind of trinity. And in fact, they are a set of symbols that reflect the Lord, the, the Godhead three in one. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The gold of the King. Durable, beautiful, untarnishable. A natural element created by the Creator, reflective of the Father God. The incense of worship, pure, and filling the altar with a fine fragrance. Like the very glory cloud of the Holy Spirit that attended the tabernacle of Israel of old and will attend to you and I, even now, even this very night, the Holy Spirit hovering over you and drawing you to Him and also entering into you if you will receive Him with the purity of God's promised love and the prophetic symbol of the Son, our Savior, The man of sorrows acquainted with sin, who went to the cross and carried the thorns, so that you and I could taste of his sweetness as he took the bitter punishment of our sin upon himself. In fact, these gifts are also a prophetic set of symbols about Jesus Christ himself. For Jesus is King of Kings, and he is our great high priest, and he is the prophet of all prophets. The prophet whose very spirit is the spirit of prophecy. So in these gifts, we receive a message about the mission of the Magi. Their mission, like yours and mine, is to come and worship the Lord according to the scriptures. And in that, there's a fruitful invitation that will bring about multiplication of blessings in our lives. Their their mission and their worship reveals just how productive the word of God's call is and how it potentiates a plentiful harvest of witness in the lives of those who are following the light of the Lord by his word, by his spirit. Because he will lead us into pure worship. He will equip us for prophetic ministry. He will instruct us in how to live purposefully to live for a reason that cannot die because that reason already died and is alive forevermore. Like Jesus who appeared to John on the island of Patmos in the book of Revelation, Jesus says to you and I tonight, not only was I that babe that was born in Bethlehem, I was that man that was crucified in Jerusalem. I was dead and behold, I am alive forevermore. And I have a purpose for you. And that purpose, that, is the purpose of Christmas and nothing can kill it and nothing can extinguish it because it's in Him that you and I find the fulfillment of our purpose. So you and I, as little children, might eagerly desire every kind of good gift and as adults, what we might desire is comfort. What we might desire is provision. What we might desire is escape. From our worries. Or maybe just an abundance of pleasures. But that's not the greatest gift that God wants to give you and I. In fact, many of those things are exactly what the world seeks after. And even when the world finds them, they do not find them to be fulfilling. Because they do not suit the purpose of God. But the people of God, when they experience the greatest gift that God has to give, which is himself. What they find is, even without provision, even in a place where there seems to be no protection, even in a time of disaster, disease, discouragement or destruction, nothing can shake you because you've received the greater gift from God, which is the ability to live in Him and to live by Him in a different way. When we fall down and worship the Lord, it is impossible for us to do that sincerely and not arise renewed. Because we are transformed by the worship that God enables us to enter into and we are edified to see a new way. Look at, in our concluding moments, the concluding message of the Magi's mission. After they came, rejoicing, at the light, rejoicing at the life of the child and giving of their gifts, then they had to go back. And you know, that's the way it is for us at Christmas too. The day arrives and it's joys with it, but then Christmas is over. And sometimes that's the hardest time of year for some people. I myself have often struggled with the end of the holiday season and the resumption of of regular life. In these days, you and I might rejoice just to have regular life again. In fact, maybe there is in this present moment with all the COVID crisis and everything else, something to celebrate, which is that God has enabled us to be reminded of what a blessing it is just to be able to go out of your house. And gather together with friends. Will any one of us be able to do those things again without rejoicing over them? I hope that we will remember. Because friends, there will be a time when this season and all of its hardships will be in the past. And if things stabilize and normalize, it would be a shame if you and I forget what a blessing it is just to be able to live. A normal life. Maybe you and I need to live that normal life in a new way. With a renewed sense of purpose. And a more diligent focus on God. Because in fact, if we just go back to our old ways, on our old roads, we might find new problems. The Lord warned the Magi not to go back the way they came. The way they had came was the normal way. They came through the, uh, the appeal to the king Herod. They came through the normal diplomatic channels, but that Herod king was a liar and intended not only to try and kill Christ, which he didn't succeed, although he killed many other children, part of the bitter blessing of that season. He also, no doubt, would have tried to do harm to the Magi, but because they were already dedicated to the word of the Lord, and to worship. That meant they were available to his spirit. And by his spirit, he spoke to them in a dream and said, Go a different way. I'm still going to bring you home, but I'm going to bring you another way. There is in the prophet Isaiah a similar kind of message about what happens when you and I bow down to the Lord. And then arise enlightened by his spirit and his truth. Arise, shine, for your light has come. This is the same prophet through whom the prophecy of Isaiah 9 was spoken in a previous time. And now in Isaiah 60, there is this word that says, the light has come, the glory of the Lord rises over you. There's darkness all around, thick darkness over all kinds of people, but the nations will look to you, people of God, when you are looking to the Lord, and there will be a radiance of the Lord upon you, and they will see it. So look up, lift up your eyes and look about you. Look at the fields ripe for harvest. Look up, for your salvation draws near. And when you look up that way, you'll be lifted up in the things of the Lord and enlightened and be a light to the world around you and you will be radiant with joy. Your heart will throb and swell with joy and you'll be a witness to the world around you. So, the author of Hebrews says in the New Testament, since you and I actually have seen this light now, since Jesus has come to make that light known to us and to shine it into our lives, So by that new and living way that he has opened up for you and I through the veil that is his flesh that was pierced and penetrated for us, since he has come to make atonement for us as this great high priest, draw close to him now because he is close to you. This Christmas Eve, he is close to you. Wherever you are, whenever you hear these words or get this message, he is close to you. He has come to you to cleanse you, to encourage you, to lift you up. Let's hold fast to our confession of hope without wavering, not forsaking the gathering together, but instead continuing to believe in the promise and the one who made it and encouraging one another even as we see the day drawing near. You and I, we know that we anticipate Christmas, and then suddenly, when Christmas comes, what do we always say? I can't believe it's here. Even in this year, even at this time, I'm saying, I can't believe it. Christmas is here. Friends, there's a day when Jesus will come in the clouds. And as many times as it has been talked about, and as many times as it's been prophesied, and as many times as God has promised it, and warned, and tried to ready his people, still, The response of people on earth will be, I can't believe it's here, but it's coming. So you and I, let's attend to the purpose of our soon coming King as the day draws nears. The light of the Lord dawns in your heart tonight. A new day is offered to you tonight by God. It doesn't matter what goes on with COVID. It doesn't matter what crisis you have faced. It does not matter what desperation, hardship, or grief you're experiencing. I don't mean to say it doesn't matter to God, and I'm not saying it shouldn't matter to you. What I mean is it cannot cancel the light, and it cannot cancel Christmas, and it cannot put a stop or an end to the new and living way that the Lord wants to lead you and I in as we trust our hearts to him. Remember what Paul said in Corinthians? Eagerly desire the greatest gifts that God has to give. And there are many gifts of the Spirit. We've talked about them in prior times. We will talk about more of them in days to come. But Paul says, by the inspiration of the Spirit, let me show you the most excellent way, a new way to live. Even as Jesus Christ said, a new commandment I give, which is that you love one another. Love. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. My hope for Christmas was about the presents I would gift, get. My fear at Christmas was about the death that comes, and maybe even my own. But when I became a man, I was able to put away childish things. And when I mature in the spirit, I realize the greatest gift of Christmas is not the gifts that I get, but the ability I have to give the love of God that is alive in me because he first loved us. Faith, hope, and love, nothing can shape them. They will never pass away. And the greatest of these is love. That's our harvest hope. That's our Christmas promise. The spirit-led way that God guides us in is the way of love, and it is love, the love of the Lord, not the way the the world loves, but the word of the Lord And the truth of the Lord will prepare us for the coming of the Lord. Our eternal creator came to be born in that cradle in Bethlehem. Just like Brother John was saying earlier. How astonishing to think that the everlasting maker himself became a child born into this world a man who died on the cross and rose again and has ascended to the Father and is coming again and has a purpose for you and I at Christmas and always, which is that we would be fruitful, that we would bear much fruit, that we would have much joy, that we would live in the light no matter the dark because his light is greater than the dark and his life is greater than death. And the greatest gift that he has for you today is love, his love, it is eternal It is boundless. It is the purpose of Christmas. And it comes to you. Unwrap it. Receive it. Rejoice in it. Bow down before him and let his love wash over you. All of your sins, lift them up to him. You say, I've got nothing to give. Give him your sin. He's already taken it upon him. Give it to him with your trust. Give it to him with your hope. Give it to him with your earnest desire that you would live for him. Don't let Christmas just be a holiday. Let it be a holy day. Let it be a new day, a day to be born anew in him or to renew your expectation that he will guide you by his spirit and lead you by his word in a new and living way and he will lead you home, the place of love and hope and everlasting life. Lord, we give ourselves to you once again this Christmas. We thank you for coming to us in our world of need, in our time of trouble. We thank you for taking our sin upon you. We, we pray this, Lord. Will you just repeat these words? Say them out loud, wherever you are. If you can affirm them, then say them. Follow after me. Say, Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you for being born. I thank you that you came to this earth I thank you that you allowed me to be born. I thank you for my life and I thank you for yours. I give you my life and I receive yours. I give you my my sins. I repent of them all. I receive your righteousness. I believe you are holy. Fill me with your love and show me how to live. Fill me with your spirit and let me be a light to others. Guide me by your word and bring me to your home. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.